Welcome to season two, episode 25 of Grace or Grit. This is a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. I'm your host, Dave Talley. I serve as the pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland. And today I'm flying solo. My usual co-host, Patrick Reed, is officially and physically a missionary in the Gambia in Africa. He is on the field in place. They flew out Monday of this week and got there yesterday. So uh, I didn't even invite him to be on the podcast this time. Uh, He's got enough to do without spending an hour on the phone with me today, but uh, we hope to get him back on here again real soon once he's settled a bit there in Banjul, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, in the Gambia. By the way, I realized that it's been three whole weeks since we recorded and released an episode. Um, I do have an excuse. I have a doctor's excuse, a principal's note, a hall pass. So I want to share that with you guys. Uh, since our conversation with Kelly DeArmy, uh, I've been through a long visit with my daughter, Kayla, and my granddaughter, Blakeland and my son-in-law Nathan they came and spent a couple weeks in Maryland and uh, my wife and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary I think that's the silver wedding anniversary if I remember my colors correctly and uh, with all the festivities associated with that we had a party and uh, renewing of our vows and we went up to New York and uh, spent a couple nights and saw Niagara Falls and Uh, Did a bunch of smooching and all that, you know, as you're supposed to on your 25th wedding anniversary. So um, also had a a funeral of a friend, Tom Blades passed away. And uh, we had a funeral during this uh, time that I've been away from the podcast. We had a visiting missionary, uh, obviously the departure of the Reeds, and I performed a wedding for a couple of other friends. Uh, That added to the regular routine of life and ministry has frankly put the podcast uh, on the back burner. So um, my apologies. I certainly have missed doing it. I wanted to do it, but there have been more pressing demands. But I'm super happy to be back, and uh, we'll try to squeeze in a few more episodes uh, this month. This is August as I'm speaking, and September, like we did last year, we'll take a break. Probably November, December, we'll take off and then pick up again in January, Lord willing, of 2022. I can't believe I'm saying 2022. I will have been out of high school for 30 years uh, in 2022. I'm feeling very, very old. Now, even though we don't have Patrick, we do have a guest today. Joining us today is a gentleman by the name of Danny Smith. I met Danny a number of years ago at a vacation Bible school over in Cambridge, Maryland. And I'm excited to have him on here today. He and his family are members here at Grace Baptist Church. For our listeners, I've mentioned Danny before uh, as probably our only listener who has heard every podcast. So anyway, Danny, welcome to Grace or Grit. And how are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I think there's 50% of your audience is here with us today, that being me. (laughs) (laughs) No, unless you're listening to every episode about 100 times, uh, we do have other listeners. They kind of spread out, um, but it's been exciting. I get to see the statistics, and even though we've been off three weeks, the listenership has been strong uh, all the way up until now. Uh, It's kind of been declining a little bit uh, because there hasn't been anything fresh. but uh, we still had 100 listens the first week after when we didn't even have an episode. So they're going back and listening to old episodes. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, by the way, I counted earlier today and you are guest number 46. So I don't know what the significance of the number 46 is other than I'm 46 years old. But uh, uh, anyway, we've had a lot of guests. And um, so you're number 46 and it won't be long. We'll be at number 50. And we're going to try to bring in some of the, uh, the old guests from past episodes and uh, hear from them again, uh, hopefully, especially next year, and uh, get some repeats. Good deal. So um, why don't you give us your testimony of how you came to faith in Christ? Uh, you came to know Christ as your Savior, and tell us a little bit about what God's doing in your life now, uh, about His call in your life. 
Well, I always say my, I guess, how I came to faith in Christ was not an extravagant story, as I've heard from other people, but you know, I, I came to faith at, uh, at the age of 10. Um, I was going to school at Odinson Christian School in Odinson, Maryland, and there was a, an evangelist that had come in for one of the week-long evangelism things, and um, just through going through going there and, and hearing him at night, because the the teachers at the school um, bribed us to go with pizza for you know whoever had the most students there for the night, and um, you know just just sitting there and and listening to uh, it was Hal Webb was the evangelist, uh, just Jesus touched my heart and I, I went forward one of those nights and uh, told them that I wanted to know more about you know, being saved. And it was my fourth grade teacher uh, that, that took us back and, and talked to me and my friend, and we both accepted Jesus uh, as our Savior then. How old do you think you were about? Ten years old. Okay. And I, I don't remember if she was my teacher at the time or just became my teacher at some point, but... Um, awesome i know how webber miss harold yeah <laughs> i know knew how web he's gone now yeah and his son barry yeah i was one of his guinea pigs whenever he came into town he did little magic tricks right i've had my hand cut off i've had it set on fire <laughs> and a few other things i think i had something put through my head once or twice too so right <laughs> so tell us some more you get you came to know christ as your savior what next uh yeah at 10 years old and you know i was A little hellion before and after, I guess. <laughs> but through that, my parents, uh, the pastor at the church, came out and visited our house. Uh, my parents came to know, came to know the Lord through that visitation. Um, my dad, I'm always amazed. Like I remember so clearly, like my dad getting saved, or he just did like a 180 turn and. and dumped all the alcohol in that house down the drain and, you know, even rubbing alcohol and <laughs> never had any in our house since then. And, um, you know, you know, if you needed rubbing alcohol, it was tough. You <laughs> pour some water on it, <laughs> but, um, he piled up all of his old, uh, rock and roll records in the backyard and lit them on fire. And of course we loved that cause it was a fire, but it was just, um, just really saw God work on him there. And it feels like my dad has been a deacon or minister since that very day, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's just, just going on, I, for myself, um, I guess, you know, I thinking back, I, I feel like God was always trying to push me toward my calling, but I'm not listening and, you know, just gut feelings I remember having you know, even younger as a kid. And, you know, I think of times where I was in church and the the altar call was being done and, and just something inside me was telling me to to talk to someone or, you know, ask someone if I wanted to go up with them. And I just never did. And uh, so I feel like God has always just been working on me, which he does for all of us. Um, as I got older, you know, I got into to working and just trying to get through life on my own and got married We've, we've, my wife and I have been married for 20 years and just it seems like we'd go through periods of good times where everything's going great, we're comfortable, and then everything falls apart. And then I say, this is, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to go out, I'm going to work harder, I'll work longer, get more jobs. 
and build back up to where we're comfortable. We'd get comfortable again and it'd all fall apart. And just everything go at one time. Like within a week, everything falls to pieces. And the last time that happened, I literally said to my wife, I said, all right, I'm going to work longer this weekend. I'm going to you know, make as many hours as I can and dig us out of this again and get back to the point where we'll be comfortable again. And just everything, you know, washing machine, dishwasher, the refrigerator, uh, they all broke and needed fixing. The, I had investments that just went down the drain and just it all fell apart at one time. And I was like, this just isn't, this just isn't, you know, by chance. All this just doesn't happen at the same time. And uh, I had started, before this, I had started getting into um, a relationship with people at church. Uh, I wasn't really coming to church all that often, and when I was here, I wasn't listening. Uh, I just say that in front of my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> um, you know, my wife had, was coming to church, and sometimes I'd let her go without me. And, you know, I, I was going because she was bugging me to come to church, so I'd get up and go. Or the kids wanted me to go, so I'd get up and go. Uh, and I just wasn't into it. You know, I, I, I some things that happened at another at another church that that bothered me, and it I didn't want it to bother me, but it was, and it just kind of ate away at me, and I was getting further and further away from God and church. And Nicole had made friends here at Grace, and they started coming over our house and hanging out on on the weekends, Fridays and Saturdays. And then uh, a couple other friends that Nicole made here, you know, bringing the kids to Awana's, um, they had started coming over, and that was Michelle and Patrick Reed, um, and Jason and Ashley McConnell. They had, were, had, they were the first people to like come over and just hang out. And through that, if anybody knows Shell, she invites everybody to everything. So Shell started inviting other people from church over, and just it turned into a little group. I say God built a grace group around me when I refused to go to one. Right. Because Nicole was always, let's go to this grace group. And no, nah, I don't want to. And Shell would ask me, why don't you have a grace group here? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to. But God built a grace group around me when I wasn't paying attention. And through that, I built relationships with people here at church and started coming to church, not for God. I was coming to church for the relationships that I had built to see friends. And while I was here, seeing friends and you know hanging out with friends god got his hooks in me <laughs> and um there was you know just looking back little things that had happened i didn't realize god was working and so i went back and wrote it all down and we had gotten so close with the reeds and one day we were camping and I, I was telling Patrick about some things that were bothering me. And he said, you know, you've got to just get out there and, and just start doing something. And I didn't. I think, I think what I started doing was I uh, was donating money to them because they were my friends. I wasn't doing it for God. I wasn't doing it for the ministry. I was doing it because I loved the Reeds and wanted to help them out. And one day I called Patrick and said, hey, I listened to the pastor's podcast. This was after the Reeds had left for ten Tennessee. 
I said I listened to Pastor's podcast, and honestly, I listened to it because I missed hearing you talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I was missing Patrick and had to listen to the podcast to hear him. So uh, in listening to the podcast, I was like, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to go back to the beginning and start listening from the beginning and, and go through. And Patrick had said, you know, if you like that, here's a, a reading plan from the Bible app that I think you'll like. You should, you should listen to this. It was by David Platt. Um, I don't remember the name of the plan, but um, it was a seven-day plan. And I'm not a great reader. I did horrible in school. I hated reading. And I read through that seven-day plan in one night. And after I read that seven-day plan, I think that's just when it hit me. God got a hold of me, got a good grip on me right there. And I started reading the New Testament, starting at Matthew, and I just started reading through, and I couldn't stop. Just... I mean, what I was reading the night was just blowing my mind because I just didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I read the New Testament in six weeks, I think. And yeah, I think that's the most I've read in my entire life. <laughs> and uh, just went through it in six weeks. And just even though I grew up in church, I felt like I was hearing all new stuff like it was all new to me and I started re I was listening binge listening to the podcast um, and just through that the different pastors doing their telling their story and um, sharing their testimony God just started working on me and just tearing me down, I guess. Uh, one pastor, I, I, I don't recall who it was, but one pastor had said, and this was right after I told Nicole, I'm going to rebuild this and get everything, you know, back to being comfortable again. I'm going to go out and do this. And I think the next day, one of the pastors on the podcast said, we can't go through life on our own strength. We can't, we can't do it ourselves. we got to go in God's strength. And that still affects me right now. That just broke me down. I was, I was standing at work listening to this, and just broke down in tears. I was crying. And uh, that's when I knew I just had to stop trying to do it on my own. And I just gave it up right there. I said, God, I'm not going to. I give up. I said, I'm done. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep rebuilding and, and, and falling on my face said, apparently, I'm not doing what you want me to do. <laughs> and uh, I said, just literally crying out, you know, tell me what you want me to do. What is my purpose? What is my purpose in life, God? Just show me. And in that week, I was praying I was praying that prayer all week as I'm continuing to listen to the podcast and just praying, God, show me your purpose for me. What do you want me to do? I can't keep going on my own strength. I've got to go on your strength. And later on that week, I was at another person's, uh, another person's house that I work at. And we were talking about the New Testament briefly. And I turned around after speaking with him and I told him that everything I hear 
I've read in the New Testament talks about the love of God, the love of Christ, that we should love on each other and share that love. And um, after I'd said that, I turned around and want to go back up the ladder to hang a ceiling fan. And just in the pit, my stomach, it was like an audible voice, but it was inside me that said, you're going to be an evangelist. <laughs> and I just, I fell apart. I was crying, standing there, needing to hang a ceiling fan. But I was just bawling like a baby. And it was that one like solid, loud time that said, you're going to be an evangelist. And then repeated like five times, you're going to be an evangelist. You're going to be an evangelist. And I asked God to make it clear to me what he wants me to do. And that was just clear as a bell. I, I never say, I think this is what God wants me to do. I know 100% this is what God wants me to do. Mm. And, um, I wanted to put my tools away right there, then and there and leave. And I was like, well, I don't know where to go. <laughs> I, I know what I need to do. I just don't know where I'm going. So, Lord, I guess I'm going to hang a ceiling fan for now. Um, and just all that day, I literally cried all day. I couldn't think or talk about anything. I started crying. <laughs> and uh, I, I woke up the next day and my eyes hurt. I was crying so much. And uh, just, I, I, I kept praying to God and, and telling him, Lord, just keep reaffirming what you want me to do to keep me strong in this. Even though I know what you want me to do, please keep reaffirming it. And he just continued to amaze me every single day. Just the stuff that was happening around me, you couldn't make up. Yeah. And I, shortly after I went and, and picked up something for one of the people I work for, and I had $75 with me. I paid for what I had to pick up $15, put $60 back in my pocket. And uh, when I was standing there, something was telling me to talk to the woman. The Holy Spirit was telling me to talk to the woman, but you know, it was kind of new to me. So I was like, you know, this is just me in my head. I'm an evangelist now, so I need to talk to everybody, right? All right. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, this is just me being silly. So we left there, drove across the street. I wanted to beat the parade that was going through town. Drove across the street on the other side of the town, stopped at a yard sale. My wife grabbed a couple of things and wanted a few dollars to pay for that. And I reached in my pockets and I had no money. Mm. And I... I was just like, you know, what happened? I must have dropped it. I know I put it in my pocket. Um, I called the lady that I picked up the, um, the, the artwork from and asked her, did I drop any money out there? She said, no, there's, there's no money out there. She went and checked. And I said, well, I guess I blessed somebody with $60 today. And she said, oh, my goodness. Let me go check. You know, I'll go see where you parked and all that. And I knew I had to go back. I, I knew God was telling me, you've got to go back. And I told her, I said, that's all right. I'm not even worried. I, I'll, come, I'll come back anyway and look. And I drove back there crying. And uh, I didn't even care about the $60. I got out, walked up to the door, knocked on the door. She came out and said, I looked around. I said, I'm not worried about that. I said, is there anything... I said, God was wanting me here. He wanted me to ask you when I was here. I said, is there anything I can pray for you or pray with you about? And she said, it's so crazy that you've asked me that. She said, my father's just passed away. 
my family's torn up over his possessions. Mm. And she said, I could see she was hurting. We're both standing there crying at this point. <laughs> and uh, she said that, you know, she's got people praying for her and with her. And she just didn't feel like she wanted that right now. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you anyway. I went back out to the car and sat out there and cried again and prayed for her. <laughs> and then called, called Pastor and told him about it and cried again. <laughs> yep. And uh, I hope you never lose that. <laughs> me too. The first time, I, you know, after about a week, I said, God, I can <laughs> take the tears away now, but. Literally the next day, I said, "No, don't take these tears away." Yeah. I said, "I use them. You know, I don't, I don't want them taken away." Um, but in, in the following days, again, I'm constantly just praying, God, keep reaffirming, "This is what you want me to do. Show me, lead me." I don't want to get ahead of what you want me to do. I want you to lead me. And uh, I went, I went down to Ace Hardware to pick up some some gravel. Feeling fine and normal, pulling into the parking lot. I'm throwing gravel into the back of the truck, and about three bags in, in out of ten. And I look over, and there's a homeless man standing there on the corner. And I'm just like, got that feeling. I said, all right. All right, I'll go talk to him. Let me get these bags in the back of the truck and I'll go right over there. Said, I can't afford to lose any more money. So I'm, I'm not going to pass this up. I know that feeling now. Right. <laughs> so I go over and talk to Anthony um, and, and just I pray with him. I read to him Romans 10, 9. And I reach in my pocket. And I've got some more money with me now. I reach in my pocket and I've got 20. So I hand Anthony a $20 bill and a track. And uh, we leave there, drive over in town, stop to pick up some lunch. My wife goes into a restaurant to grab our lunch. And another homeless person comes from around the corner, walks up to the car and I get that feeling again. I just shake my head. I'm like, all right. I grab a track. I grab another $20 bill that I've got sitting right there. And the homeless man walks up to the, the door, the, the, the window, and asks me, uh, and he says he's hungry. And I said, is there anything I can pray for you? Can I pray with you? Is there anything I can pray with you about? And <laughs> He recited Romans 10, 9 to me without anything else. And I was just amazed. I said, I cannot believe I just read that same verse to the guy down the road five minutes ago. And this guy walks up and recites the same exact verse to me. It's like, that's... That doesn't just happen. That's, that's God reaffirming what he wants me to do. My kid's in the back seat saying, Dad, now that you decide to follow God, people are just walking up to you. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're just coming to you. So uh, I hand, hand the gentleman a $20 bill and a track for him to read. And he says, thanks, me," and goes on his way. And uh, I was just amazed. And my wife comes back to the car and I'm crying again. She's like, really? <laughs> what are you crying for now? Um, but uh, later on, I go on and uh, going about working. And one of the guys I work for, I just moved a bunch of furniture and stuff for him over to his new house in, in Cambridge. And invoiced my time and I charge him a good bit. I get paid well to work for him. 
and uh, he gave me an extra hundred dollars and he's done that before. I didn't think much about it. I said, thanked him. Of course he gave me a hundred dollars and, and gave my wife a, a gift for her birthday. And just later on that night, I'm standing in my kitchen, minding my own business, not doing anything in particular. And I just like grab my pant pocket and I'm like, holy cow. I just got $100. I gave $40 to the two guys in Cambridge. <laughs> that brings me back to $60 in my pocket that I lost because I didn't go and talk to that woman the first time. <laughs> and I was like, this just can't, this isn't a coincidence. Yeah. This is just God saying, Check me out. <laughs> right. That's awesome. So, um, so you believe God has called you to be an evangelist. You know God has called you to be an evangelist. Yes, I do not believe God has called me for it to be an evangelist. I know for yeah. a fact that He has called me to be an evangelist. And of course, you told me that. Um, Having learned from my experience with Patrick, I immediately put you to work right. <laughs> <laughs> and said, all right, well, we're going to meet every week and take the gospel to people. And through that process, I found out that you have a burden for revival in the church. Yes. And I want to... The Holy Spirit has put on me and everything. I mean, even before God told me what I'm going to be doing, it was something that was God was working on me. Right. So... Once I got my calling, it just all came together. And, you know, and, and to let you know where I was beforehand, like I said, I wasn't coming to church for God. I was coming to church for friends. You know, pastor said that he was praying for three other people. And one day I was driving down the road and I was like, Dang, he's praying for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you came to me and asked me if I was praying for you, and I said, well, I wasn't, <laughs> but I'll start now. <laughs> and I didn't want you to be. I was That's like, right. No. <laughs> well, I remember you telling me uh, kind of before this really busted loose that the, the Bible was just coming alive to you. Yes. And, of course, I've been there before, so I was like, mm, <laughs> let's see what's going on here. Uh, for our listeners, we have a pleasant surprise. I looked up at my phone and uh, had a little message from Africa on here. So I'm going to see if this will work. I think we have Patrick with us. Hey, guys. How are you all? Can you hear me? I can hear you, Danny. Can you hear him? All right. What are you piping me in through the speakers? Yeah, we've got some redundancy going on here because I had problems in the past when we did a podcast like this. So I'm recording on Zoom and I'm recording on the church uh, soundboard. So it's all tied in together oh, right okay. now. Hey, good to see you all. Yep. Calling in from uh, the Gambia. We're here. So uh, I heard there was a podcast going on. So I just got my my cell phone working and the Wi-Fi working and all that stuff. So I thought I'd uh, give you all a call while I had a chance. Man, I'm so glad you did. I, I was uh, at the beginning of the podcast. I was like, we're not going to bother Patrick. He's got more important things to do. So, but man, I'm so glad you came through. This is awesome. Good journey through Brussels and right into the Gambia, I, I guess. It was, yeah, it was long, but uh, all went pretty smoothly. And um, uh, the, uh, no problems at the airports and the COVID test and all that, you know, God just smooth the path right out. So no issues whatsoever. It was pretty amazing. That's so cool. Well, you've got a, uh, a fan base back here. I don't think most of us have been the part of anything this exciting in our whole life. So uh, you're doing the work and we're enjoying the, uh, the reports. So uh you got a lot of people cheering for you and praying for you here. And I know you know that, but from our end, it's very exciting. Every little tidbit of news, you little, you sent the little picture of uh, 
double stuff Oreo cookies, you know, and we were like, Ooh, look, our missionaries got double stuff Oreo cookies, you know, and everybody's just going crazy over it. So, uh, yeah, you got a big, big group of fans back here cheering you on. That's amazing what you can find out here in the Gambia. I found some American things and we're finding some American food. So that's pretty cool. Um, weird, weird stuff, but it's, uh, it's been good. Everybody, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting, but the, the service and customer service and experience out here is so much better than it is in America. I mean, they treat you so well. I sat in a cell phone store for like two hours and they were probably the nicest people. And let me tell you, if you sit in a Verizon store for two hours, they're not the nicest people. So <laughs> it's just uh, totally, totally different. Uh, just a different culture, but it's, it's definitely good out here. and We're enjoying it so far. This was our first day to get out and about. Um, after getting in last night and we actually have some new mission some other two new missionaries coming they were supposed to be on a flight yesterday and they got delayed so they should be in here any moment there's some short-term missionaries so we're hoping to be able to greet them soon they come in oh i hear the truck pulling into the compound now i think i think they're just arriving <laughs> it's so cool. sounds like i hear the <laughs> guest house is going to be used for these folks is that what they're coming in for no, they are, uh, they're going to the village with us as well. Yeah, let's see. Looks like they're pulling in now. <laughs> that is so cool. This, it's kind of dark. It's hard to see the, the compound. Here's our security guys. Hi, guys. <laughs> but uh, I'll probably do a Facebook video, get to show everybody what during the daytime, what, uh, what everything looks like around here at the guest house before we head out to the village on probably Saturday. Right. So, Well, um, I'm sure you already knew Danny's story, but it's so neat uh, from my perspective as, as, you and I are, as you and I are here on this, uh, you know, zoom call, making this podcast recording now um, through the COVID pandemic and, and all that mess. And we got this thing started you know, we had no idea how God would use the podcast and, uh, God has really used it and used you and Danny's life and, uh, how amazing that is. He gets all the glory, but it's awful encouraging to know that what you're doing is having an impact. You can make me cry again. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking as I was, as I was listening to Danny, I was just thinking, uh, you know, we got to be careful inviting him on the podcast. He's definitely got to take up all the airtime. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't need a script. I'll just put Danny. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. God had to do a lot to get me straight. So, there's a lot to tell. <laughs> yes. Well, but you know, that's. That's something God's going to use in your ministry, though, because people uh, people latch onto that. They understand it. You know, they understand that kind of perspective and uh, your experience, and they can identify with it. And God can really use it. Well, so, it comes in handy when you're talking to people. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Got a lot to relate to. Yep. So well, I got to head out, guys, to meet them. But uh, we'll uh, probably talk next week on a podcast. I'm sure. All right. right, I'll get, I'll get you the news as soon as I got it. All right, good to good. see you. Thanks good for calling. You all. Uh -huh. Bye. Bye. Just come earlier and said it's actually cooler there at the equator than it is here in Maryland. Really? Yes. That's so weird. Well, boy, that was a uh, that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So very cool. Well, thank you for telling us um, about your salvation experience and about your calling upon your life, which you're, you know, you're right in the middle of exploring how God, how that's going to look in your life and how you're going to live that out. Um, tell us about your family too, a little bit. Uh, you got a whole tribe that you're working on over there. Uh, so tell us about your family. I've got, well, I've been, like I said earlier, I've got, uh, or I've been married 20 years uh, to my beautiful wife, Nicole. Who's here in the studio with us? Yes, she's our audience. Uh, adding, adding to the uh, nervousness of the whole thing here. <laughs> um, got four children that are four. It's probably a good reason Nicole's here. 
Four, nine, 12, and 14. Four, nine, 12, and 14. Sounds like your hands are full. Yes. And, uh, you know, God's, God's working on them too. Yep. Um, through, through what he's doing with me, my kids are seeing that. Yeah. Spencer has been more interested in like the grace groups that we go to. And I, mean, I myself end up in four grace groups through the week. And Spencer gets to attend three of them. <laughs> so, you know, he runs around and runs around and plays with the other kids, but once he hears us talking about the Bible and, and God, he ends up sitting here with us adults and listening and he's asked us some questions and, and wanted to give some input himself into um into the comments. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really digging that. Yep. And uh, uh, Brennan, I feel like he's been a, a preacher since he was born. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I worked uh, with him a little bit when I was kind of filling in in the youth ministry. And uh, I can see that. I can see that there's some, some things very early on with him yeah. that uh, were uh, unusually clear mm-hmm. when uh, when it came to him seeing his responsibilities as a child of God. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Peyton and Remus, they're, they're still young yet. Right. Remus has finally become detached from mom and me enough that he's going to children's church. So that's exciting. <laughs> yep. yep. Very cool. I want to ask you one thing about your testimony, and then I got some questions for you about revival. And uh, and we'll wrap this up. Um, where did you get the idea of saying to people, "Is there anything I can pray with you about?" Where did you get that idea? I honestly don't. I th- I think the Holy Spirit just put it on me. Yeah. I I'm not quite comfortable with. I guess the gospel conversation. Um, but. Asking someone, how can I pray for you? was just simple. Yep. And it leads into a conversation about God and the gospel. And, yep. um, well, I think it's perfect. Yeah. I think it's powerful. It's, it's so... And you've already seen it work. Right. And I, I told, it our, uh, I told the, the folks at our grace group last night, I said, if you ask someone how you can pray for them, they're going to open up. Yeah. They're not going to get mad. Right. And and you can, most people can discern how people feel. You can see the, the lostness or the, the brokenness in them. And you can, you see someone like that and you can pray for them. That uplifts, that lifts them up makes them feel so much better that someone cares about them. Right. And if you can show them that God cares about them and loves them, that just opens the door to so many other things, you know, and inviting them to church. And, um, I've, I've talked to so many people that God just keeps putting the people out there. You know, I'm, I'm asking them to, so it's happening. (laughs) And one of the crazy stories I I took my wife to physical therapy and in physical therapy she had messaged me and asked me where my friend Kelly DeArmy lives and I had messaged back and said he lives in you know Delaware not, not anywhere near where we were this and is the same Kelly DeArmy I had on? Yes. Oh. Yes. And I met Kelly 14 years ago, wow. oddly enough, and then ran into him at the men's prayer breakfast. Yep. <laughs> um, but she'd asked me where he lived because she was in a physical therapy and, and saw someone there that uh, 
I guess, matched the description of his son, Thomas. And I said, well, I don't think it would be him. I, I don't see Kelly's van out here. And, you know, he lives an hour away. And then uh, a woman walked out of the physical therapy place with an older, um, an older handicapped individual. And she was carrying a sign that was three foot by three foot that said Kelly on it. <laughs> and it was just one of those things like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. What are the odds of this? And she walked over and put the sign into a car where somebody else was sitting in there. And walked back into the building, and I got out of the car and said, well, Holy Spirit's telling me to go talk to somebody, so i got to go talk to somebody. I don't, don't want to lose another $60. <laughs> <laughs> what is a soul worth? Well, at least 60 bucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm heading over, you know, following her into the building, and Nicole comes out and says, what are you doing? I said, I've got to go talk to somebody. Well, who are you talking to? I don't know yet. I'll let you know in a minute. <laughs> so I look in there, and she had gone. So I guess she had call, gotten called back. And um, I said, well, I guess I missed my chance there. I should have gotten out of the car earlier. Um, so I'm walking back to the car, and I see the guy sitting in the car, his car that she had gone to. And I said, Nicole, I still need to talk to somebody. So I walked over. The guy's minding his own business, and I'm waving my hands like a lunatic outside his window, trying to get his attention. And uh, he winds down his window, and I said, I don't even know what to say right now, but my name is Danny Smith, and the Holy Spirit told me to come talk to you. Is there anything I can pray with you about? And... Uh, he just started crying and I started crying and I was like, well, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> and he, he had, you know, mentioned his son, um, and just asked us to, you know, he wanted prayer for him and his wife and his son. And, uh, through that, we invited him to church and he said that he, he had not been to church in a while. Um, and he had, he had thanked us, and he, he said he'd like to come out and, and visit Grace. And got out, gave my wife a hug, thanked us. He's like, I can't wait to tell my wife about this. He was just so uplifted from that. Hmm. And um, that was just one of the many amazing stories. <laughs> well, if the, if the word evangel, evangelist means one who brings good news you're not waiting to be an evangelist you're already an evangelist because you've been taking good news to people <laughs> and uh so that confirmation of god's call on your life is is so awesome and so cool and i'm just glad that I, i'm close enough to see what god's doing um it's a thrill to me i don't think we're going to get into all this maybe we'll do another podcast and get into all this stuff but i want to tell you what's on my heart and mind uh, as I talk to you, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to entitle this podcast, Why Do We Need Revival? Uh, to our listeners, I recommended a book to Danny called While Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. And uh, it was one of the first books that I read after I surrendered to the call to ministry uh, 20 years ago or so in my life. Um, and I intentionally didn't give Danny the topic of this podcast or the questions ahead of time because I wanted gut reactions <laughs> uh, to these questions. Um, and you don't have to go deep, but if someone were to ask you, Danny, what is revival? What would you tell them? What do you, what do you think of when you hear that question? What is revival anyway? Revival is us as Christians getting an excitement for God, for our salvation, and taking that excitement out onto the streets 
and in the church where it is not and sharing the love of God and the gospel with as many people as you can get in front of. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you ha- might have it more abundantly. And the word revive means to bring to life, to make alive. So if a church uh, doesn't have abundant life, if it's not excited uh, about who God is and God's love for us and our opportunity to love him in return and the privilege we have to serve him and, and to tell others about him, if the church doesn't have that, then we need revival. Right. And so I agree with that. I wrote down, um, when God brings faith and holiness into the church to a degree, which is what you're talking about, excitement, to a degree that allows for obvious and evident blessing and impact. And I, I agree with your answer. When, when the life of God is evident in us, when it's, it's visible, it's, there's, there's a clear proof that God's working in our hearts and lives. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Um, it's a special move of God. I agree with that. Who needs it? We all need revival. Okay. We all need it. It's, I mean, for one, with revival, you know, reviving the church, reviving the church, you know, revive because you're dead, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I, I, I said this morning at, uh, a grace group. I said, Satan is happy with you going to church. Yes. Because you feel like you're doing the right thing. You feel like I'm good with God. I'm here in church, sitting down every Sunday, listening to the pastor. But beyond that, nothing's happening. Satan is excited about that. Yep. What he doesn't want is for you to get excited about sharing the love of God and bringing people to salvation through Christ. (laughs) That's it. I I wrote down, when you said we all need it, I wrote down for who needs it. Worldly Christians need it. Complacent Christians need it. Self-righteous Christians need it. Proud Christians need it. And I'll add to that, dead Christians need it. <laughs> because you're right. No, no clear-thinking Christian will look at the American church today and say, we're in the middle of a revival. <laughs> right. Nobody would say that. Um, and if they would, they need revival. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, Revelation 2 and 3, they're one of the churches, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead, you know, if I remember the way it was worded. Um, and, you know, I fear that that's, that's the 21st century church in America. And, uh, you know, I'll just speak real specifically. I, I fear that that's, that's me, and I fear that that's even Grace Baptist Church to some extent. Not that God isn't doing anything. I mean, he's doing something in your life. So, you know, you're experiencing uh, at least a measure of revival. You describe yourself as having essentially been spiritually asleep, and now you're awake, right? So you're experiencing revival. But on the whole, you know, God wants to bring revival to the whole church. Um, I'm looking for that verse in Romans. You have a name that you are dead, that you are alive. See if I can find it real quick. Mm. Yeah. Sardis, it's Revelation 3.1. To the angel or the messenger, uh, probably the pastor of the church of Sardis, write these things. John speak, Jesus speaking to John. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God. I've been preaching on that on Sunday mornings. And the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. And uh, so, yeah, a, a church that is not excited about the love of God and the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel needs revival. Yeah. So what's preventing revival? If we're not having it, 
If we're not in the midst of it, if we're not experiencing, what's standing in the way? People's fears and their comforts. They don't want to change because if, if you're out sharing the gospel and, and sharing the love of Christ, what's happening in the church is going to change. There's, there's going to be different people there, different opinions, viewpoints, and so things will change. And that's also a fear. I mean, f fear is, I think, one of the greatest tools of Satan. Yeah. And he uses it on all of us. We've got to overcome those fears. And, and I feel like I got to the point, God broke me down to the, to the point that I'm more afraid to not follow what God's telling me to do as mm. opposed to you know letting my other fears override mm. um, you know that's what Jesus said to do he yeah. said don't fear those who can kill your body fear the, fear, fear the one who can kill your body and destroy you in hell right. <laughs> he's the one you need to fear right. so you're right that's the way to be more concerned with what God thinks than what others think. Yeah. That's awesome. We should be afraid to not ask God what our purpose is yeah. and not follow that. Yeah. Afraid of, we ought to come to the place where we're afraid of missing out, which is uh, uh, not quite the same thing as being afraid of man, you know. God's got something good going on and, and I don't want to miss it. Right. And when that outshines our uh, fear of discomfort or um, uh, some of the things that you mentioned. I put what's preventing revival, a lack of repentance. Uh, I think affluence or wealth mm -hmm. is preventing revival. Comfort, which you mentioned, and substitutes. I think we have plenty of uh, options of things to fill our religious time with yeah. that... Um, I just heard it, might have been even today, um, a pastor, I think he pastors the largest church in South Korea, and he said, um, no, it was yesterday I heard this, um, he said, one thing that amazes me about the American church is how much they can accomplish without prayer. Right. <laughs> and it's not a compliment, you know. Yeah. Uh, but what he's talking about is we have all these tools and we have all these systems, all these curriculums, all these strategies, all these resources. And if we lean on those things, uh, that's going to prevent God working through us, even if they're harmless things or good things, even. Right. Um, what are all the th all the stuff we do to attract people or bring people into church? And. It's just, it's just stuff. I mean, it, like. <laughs> well, take for example how you got saved. Yeah. Uh, they fed y'all pizza and got you come to church. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a harmless thing. If you do that kind of thing and and to build your crowd instead of, uh, as a substitute and, and and instead of dependence upon the Holy Spirit, then it's a problem. Right. If you're doing it in submission to the Holy Spirit. And with sincere excitement, maybe God can use this too. It's certainly a harmless thing. But you got to be careful that any of those, any tool that you come up with, um, that it, it's not a substitute. Because you can build a crowd with giving a, you know, a bunch of pizza out in certain contexts. Um, but if, if that's how you're measuring revival, we had 200 people. You know, well, we gave them, it was a bunch of kids and we gave them all pizza doesn't mean you shouldn't do that, but if that's what you're depending upon, instead of depending upon the Word of God and the Spirit of God to do the work, then, um, then that's a problem. And it does prevent revival if we're, if we're able to muster everything on our own rather than depending upon the work of God. Right. And like I had said, or the Holy Spirit put on me this morning, um, 
we're talking about the things that we do in in church and to to reach out to to people and uh i'd said i you know i work for a a businessman that's always asking me am i getting a good return on my investment yeah and uh i said god has bought each one of us as christians he has bought each one of us with the death of his son yeah and are we giving him a good return on that investment mm. and if you're not it's it's a shame it's a shame you better fall on your knees yeah yeah well i think we're out of time i had two other questions uh if revival happens what will it look like um and I put lives will be changed, sin will be forsaken, relationships will be restored, Christians will be moved like you are uh, into ministry and into more uh, committed levels of devotion and service to the king, and souls will be saved. I think those things will happen. Um, at least it shouldn't be surprising when those things follow um, revival and result from it. I don't believe those things are revival. I think they're proof or evidence of revival. Um, revival is a spiritual reality where Christ dominates in me. And then uh, what what can we do to promote genuine revival? And I just put authentic obedience to the Spirit. Uh, Danny asked, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, Danny asked, at the end of our last series, I preached a series entitled um, Talking with the Dead. And I believe it was the last sermon in that series. If it wasn't the last one, it was the next to last sermon. Uh, he stood up at the end of the service and, and said, how, how can we know that God is leading us? And I've been preaching a series, and I'll do the third sermon this week on the spirit of wisdom. I've been preaching a series now this month on how the spirit leads, and uh, that's how we can promote genuine revival. S- authentic, sincere, humble submission to the Holy Ghost. And if we sincerely do that, at least in our life, if not in our family and in the church, I believe revival will be inevitable. Yeah. I really believe that as we yield to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, Paul said, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You know, So, great truths. Maybe we'll get into that uh, a little more. I enjoyed having you on and hope to have you back on again soon. Yeah, it was cool. Sometimes I have these conversations and it doesn't... Uh, Jail or solidify in my mind exactly what the conversation was all about until I go back and edit it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what God was doing there, which is, uh, I kind of like it that way. Um, it reminds me of my dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And my whole ministry has been like that, you know, um, looking back going, wow, can't believe God did all this stuff. That's pretty cool. I'm glad I was here for it. Um, and so much better when he's the one in charge of it. Well, thanks, Danny, for spending an hour with me today. I'm so glad we were interrupted by Patrick all the way from the Gambia. That was so cool. Yes. And I guess we probably have your wife to thank for that. I'm assuming she sent a message saying that uh, you were going to be on. Did you tell him you were going to be on the podcast? I don't think I did. Okay. But, yeah, it was probably her. All right. She's raising her hand. Way to go, Nicole. (laughs) Um, So, but, but that was pretty cool. And, I mean, I don't even know how many podcasts we've done at this point. 60 or so um and you know for so many podcasts we've been introducing patrick as a pre-filled missionary to the gambia yeah. and uh you know and it was he's at 60 percent he's at 65 percent he's at 66 percent he's at 66 and a half percent he's still at 66 and a half percent you know and uh so to finally be able to say he's there uh pretty awesome yeah. and uh we want to pray for him of course and his family his three children his wife um, as they move out into the village, they're in the capital city of Banjul right now, but they'll be moving out into the village uh, so that they can learn the Wolof language, and uh, they're going to need a lot of prayer. Danny, may God bless you and your family and your ministry and our church. And for those listening, if you don't know what a grace group is, all it is is a small group Bible study. We call them grace groups in our church, and uh, God's really been working through those um, in-home Bible studies, and that's pretty cool to see what he's doing. As always, to all of you out there listening on the various 
podcast platforms. Be sure to let others know about this podcast and listen to other episodes. Like, share, subscribe, comment, review, etc. Whatever you can do to promote organic digital growth. Uh, that's very helpful if you do that. And uh, may God bless you all. I hope you'll listen again next time. Thanks, Danny. Now it comes in the piano music. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>